0: You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, our teaching text for this morning is in Matthew chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, you could turn there, Matthew chapter 7. We're continuing a series we've been in for about four months. And this is the second last sermon of the series. And so we're getting there in just a moment, Matthew chapter 7. I'm actually not preaching today because um, Pastor David Wood is back from what felt like two years of vacation, (laughs) but so excited to hear from David. And I wanted to, to make a special note this morning because this fall marks 20 years of David serving as a pastor at CA Church. That's worth celebrating. We are, uh, we're going to take some some intentional time in a few weeks to really celebrate David for for 20 years. That's a big milestone. That's a long time to serve a crazy bunch of people like us. And so, uh, so thankful for you though, David. It's such a a privilege to get to journey and minister alongside you. And so, uh, I'll read our our teaching text and then David's going to come up and preach. Would you stand to your feet with me for the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in Verse 13. Quick, embarrassing note, last, last service I read the wrong teaching text. And so I'm going to read the right one today. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, here we go. This is Jesus talking. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wider, and, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few." Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, good morning, everyone. Good
1: morning. Welcome to church. And speaking of anniversaries, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, to Sylvester and Patience. There they are over there. We're wow. celebrating their 25th anniversary. Wow. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, this morning, uh, we are coming close to the end of the greatest segment of teaching a human being could ever hear. It is taught by the smartest person who ever lived. And the teaching, of course, is the Sermon on the Mount. that expands from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. And the teacher is Jesus Christ. And if you've been following along, what we are looking at today, man, you can feel it coming. You can feel it coming. I mean, right from the beginning... Of the Sermon on the Mount, we've been presented with a vision of a flourishing life, a life that we were designed to live. Uh, we're presented with what, in so many ways, is a life. If we we think about it, is a life that we deepest, we most deeply desire. And what does this life look like? Well, it's a life that's described in many ways. Jesus says it's a life that's described where we are. Poor in spirit, where we recognize we bring nothing to the table, but we're completely dependent upon God and his grace. It is a life um, that mourns over sin, one's own sin and the sins of the world. It's a life uh, where we are remarkably and wondrously invited to see God. It is a life where we we experience freedom, freedom from, from guilt, from shame, We experience the freedom of forgiveness. It's it's a life where we receive mercy. But it's also a life where you and I will experience challenges along the way. Where there will be consequences when people find out that you have aligned your life to Jesus Christ. And so if you've been making your way through the Sermon on the Mount, you can see what is coming. We're approaching the end of the greatest message a human being could ever receive. But as we arrive at the end, and we look ahead of us, what do we see? We see a fork in the road. And what we see in front of us as we get to the end is we, we, we see a choice. A very clear choice. We, we, we see what... Um, Uh, the German theologian and martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes as the great divide. The great divide. Because this teaching that Jesus gives us this morning is super awkward and very uncomfortable. In fact, I think a lot of people uh, would have preferred Jesus to have ended his message in a less demanding note. Maybe a a less of an either-or kind of note. I mean, why couldn't Jesus end the message, the Sermon on the Mount, with, let's say, the golden rule, right? Why couldn't he just say, you know, and let me conclude with these words, whatever you wish others to do to you, do also to them. Let us pray, right? I think if Jesus ended there, people would have felt okay. Uh, They they, they maybe would have offered their feedback. Good good message, Jesus. I like a lot. not, Not so much the loving your enemy part, but some of the other stuff was gold. I really liked it. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't end it there. And where he ends it is with a pretty stark choice. Jesus says, we'll put that passage up. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. In this passage, you and I come face-to-face with the uncomfortable realization that Jesus really does mean for you and I to live out this life. He wants us to live out this life. And he lays it out, and there's a bunch of clues in in this passage that, that underlines this. One, Jesus describes his words, the words that he is saying, as being the will of who he calls his father. This is a will of my Father. He calls the God of heaven and earth my Father. Something that a first century rabbi would never do. Second, Jesus, he, he places himself, he makes himself as the central figure for judgment. In this great day of judgment, he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. He says, but I will say, I, I, I never knew you. Away from me, I never knew you. On that day, many will say to me, we will be judged on, on what we do with, with whose words? With Jesus' words. These words of mine, he says. And the nature of judgment, again, is to be, is to be pushed away from his presence. Away from me. We will leave the presence of the one who is life. But what really gets people thinking is this third thing. And it's Jesus' use of the word Lord. The word Lord is a loaded word. Now, in our day and age... If you've been around the church a long time, you hear the word thro- Lord thrown around all the time. And, and I said to the Lord, and I was preaching to the Lord, and the Lord said to me, and I said, Lord, Lord, Lord. We use Lord all the time. But we don't realize how loaded this is. The word Lord is a word that's translated from this word curios. And this word curios is huge. It has huge meaning. It is a word that, um, that in the first century great political leaders would ascribe to themselves. And so you had Roman emperors in the first century, in the second century, in the third century, that they would describe themselves as curios. And there's times in in the early church where just to go into a marketplace to to buy food, you would have to, before you went into, you know, the Coquitlam Center of the first century, whatever, you'd have to, at the door, right by Tim Hortons, you'd have to take a pinch of incense and you'd burn it. And you'd have to say these words, Kaiser et Curios, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And so this word curios is a word that is 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 given to the highest leaders of the Roman Empire, of the known world. You could not get higher than that. The word curios is ascribed to them. But in the Jewish world, man, the world, the word is even more loaded. Especially the double use that Jesus uses, Lord, Lord. Because a lot of Jews were concerned about blaspheming the name of God, accidentally taking the Lord's name in vain. And so when they were reading scripture and they came across God's revealed name, Yahweh, what they would often do is they would substitute it with this word Adonai, which is translated into Greek as Kyrios, Lord. And so Lord, Lord is super loaded It means nothing less than sovereign ruler, ruler, living God. And again, we know that in the early church, the church would come to the marketplace and they wouldn't say Kaiser et Curios because Caesar was not Lord. There was only one Lord, and that's Jesus. And they'd run into all sorts of problems. So what does it mean to call Jesus Lord? Well, it's to say that Jesus has the authority over all reality. That's a big statement, isn't it? Jesus has authority over all reality. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, people are, are they're amazed and they said, this guy, this guy, he speaks with authority. Authority that comes from himself. Jesus And not say, hey, you know, this is what other people say. Jesus says, I say to you, Right? I have these. And the word is cool word, authorities, this word um, in, in Greek is exousia, which means from the being, from your own self. And Jesus spoke with an authority that came from himself. And so to call Jesus Lord is to say he is the Alpha and the Omega. All meaning is found in him. He's the first and the last. All history is bookended in Jesus. He is the beginning and the end. All of our life decisions are to be made with him in mind doesn't get bigger than this and that's why he speaks the way he does at the end of the sermon so what does he say enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few There's not a lot of wiggle room in this. I mean, at this stage, what Jesus is saying is not even an invitation. Jesus doesn't say, you know, I sure would appreciate it if you choose to enter this way. No, it's it's a clear-on directive. He says, enter. Enter. We either obey this command, enter and live, or we choose a different path and we die. Which is tough teaching. I know, this is very tough teaching. And if you're new to church, this is your first weekend, you like, ah, oh, you know, this is, this is tough teaching. Jesus, this morning, he lays before us, in the final analysis, he says there are two gates. And there's two roads. One leads to life. One leads to destruction. So He's not playing games. And he knows, Jesus, he knows that this truth is not going to be super popular. That's why he says, almost with a a note of sadness, and he says, you know what, and and, and few find this, which in in many ways is a warning to the church today, isn't it? Um, It's a warning to the church that we, you and I, uh, as a church, we should not be too numbers conscious. Because the reality is, is throughout history, the church really has not been that popular. The way of Jesus has never been widely embraced. And Jesus knows this, even though his desire is that all should be saved and none should perish. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. So how do we understand this narrow gate What was Jesus getting at here? Now this is how I've typically understood or how I've typically heard this passage taught. And it goes something like this. You know, the world is on this path and it's this path that's wide. It's this broad way and everybody does what they want to do. But as a Christian, we don't walk with those people. We don't hang out with those people. We, we, take the narrow gate. We take a different way, way over here and let them go to hell in a handbasket and we're over here, right? And so we do, we do all our Christian things over here. We, we, uh, we don't listen to Led Zeppelin. We, we, we just listen to John Hawes. That's who we listen to, right? Just put John Hawes on Spotify and repeat. That's and you'll be okay. You know, we don't wear those kind of weird clothes. We just wear, you know, Christian t-shirts and, and and uh, yeah, God's gym, you know, uh, you know those sorts of things, and 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 <laughs> there's so many bad ones, but. and 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 we just we 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 don't watch those movies either. We just watch you know PG seven plus whatever over here, yeah, you know that's that's where we're, and and so that's how it's typically understood that there's a Broadway that's that's just wrong and and we have nothing to do with them we just hang out over here. But the problem with that is that it implies that Jesus has nothing to do with real life. But Jesus has everything to do with real life. So what's a better way to think of this? Now... I'm drawing this from, from our man, Daryl Johnson, who's a biblical scholar in Vancouver and who spoke to our staff before we started doing the Sermon on the Mount and gave us lots of insights onto the text. And this is what Daryl says. He says, no, this is a better way to understand it. Yes, there is a Broadway, and there is a way where, that leads to destruction. The narrow gate, the narrow gate is not way over there, but the narrow gate is in, in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the Broadway, except you're going a different way. It's living differently in the midst of life. It's living differently in in, in all the complexities of this world. And so it's not over there, it's it's, it's in the middle. So so one of the questions to ask then is that in the middle of, of life, how do you work? How do you go to work and live Christianly in the world? Which is actually a big question that we're going to be addressing um, this fall. How, how, does, how does my work matter to God, for example? And so what this involves, learning to, to walk in the narrow gate, learning to walk in a way that, 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 that runs against the stream, that's the challenge of the Christian life. And it's not easy. It is not easy. And that's what we need to learn to think Christianly. We need to learn to ask tough questions, and that's what I love about Alpha, is because Alpha is a great opportunity for you to lay out every question that you, that you have, because if Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way, He can handle your questions, right? And so the narrow way isn't over there, but it runs right down the middle of Broadway, but in the opposite direction. The wide path, the broad way, leads to bondage, addiction, and destruction. The narrow way leads to life, flourishing, and true freedom. Now, why does the narrow way lead to life? Well, one is taught by the author of life, Jesus. Jesus says, I am the truth, the life, and the way. You align your life with me, you live, because I am life. You turn away from me, I'm the author of life. Well, what are you going to get? You're just going to get death and destruction. The other thing is this, is that the narrow way, the way of Jesus actually fits us as human beings. It is in sync with with how we are designed as men and women. And so the narrow way is not some imposition, but it's an exposition of who we truly are as human beings. It is an exposition of the way things are supposed to be. That's why the broad way, it, it, it wrecks us as human beings. It promises a lot. It's popular, but it leads nowhere. It just leads to places of, of anxiety, fear. And a sense that, man, there's got to be something more to life than this. That's why on the Broadway there's a lot of burnout. It leads to burnout because the Broadway is not congruent with who we truly are. Now, notice what Jesus said. Jesus doesn't say, if you walk the Broadway, I will destroy you. No, he says, he doesn't say, I'll be really mad and condemn you. He says, if you choose to walk the broad way, and you have the freedom to choose, it will lead you places that are far from me, and I am life. And if you're in places far from me, it's, they're only places of death. Now, it's hard for us to see this. It's hard for me to see this. Because we live and we breathe each day on the Broadway. It's, it's all around us. It's the air we breathe. We're taught, we're encouraged to walk the Broadway. We're taught that the Broadway is the a, is a right way. It's the right way of seeing the world. And we're told to broaden our mind. And, 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 and it is tempting to go with the flow. It is tempting not to make waves. I get that. Everyone is going this way. So how dare you think differently? I think I've shared this before, but this is kind of an embarrassing moment for my kids. Um, I was in a movie theater with my kids a number of years ago. And uh, you know, before the movie, they had those commercials. And so there was a commercial playing, and it was a commercial on Converse shoes. And the whole commercial was, you know, Buy Converse shoes, and it has these people, you know, dancing, wearing yellow shoes, and it has, you know, people at work wearing blue shoes, and they're all the Converse shoes, and people on the beach wearing different Converse shoes, Converse shoes, and different colors, and then at the very end, it says this, think different, <laughs> think think different, and I couldn't help myself, but I yelled out in the theater, it said, think different, And I said, yes, everybody buy the same damn pair of shoes. (laughs) And my kids are like, damn. So I haven't been invited back to the theater since. But but, I mean, that's the idea. I mean, you're told on the Broadway, hey, be different, be different. Let's all do the same thing. Right? Let's be different. And you better be different. We're all different. (laughs) But we're all doing the same thing. And that's, 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 it's all around us. And, and the problem with the, with the Broadway, if, if you get stuck on it, you just, it just becomes what you know. And, 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 and to walk the way of Jesus feels uncomfortable. But that's the actual way that fits us as human beings. But we're so accustomed to walking the Broadway, it's kind of like, I don't know if this analogy works, but it's like, you know, when you're sitting cross-legged for so long, it just seems natural. And then when you actually have to stand up and, 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 and move around, it feels unnatural. Maybe this applies only to people over 50 years old. <laughs> For you younger people, it will come one day. <laughs> but it, it, feels, it feels uncomfortable because we're so used to going the wrong way. I think at the end of the day, the Broadway is appealing. Because you know what? Broadway doesn't demand a whole lot from me. I can bring whatever I want on the Broadway. I can bring my addictions. Bring them along. I got all sorts of baggage. Bring it along. I have, you know, I have these these, these habits, things that I say, things that I do that really hurt people. I don't need to change. There's plenty of room on Broadway. I can come as I am and stay as I am. And never, ever, ever have to change. And so it's appealing. The only problem is is that it leads to death. It will kill you. The narrow way that Jesus is directing us towards is narrow. It is very narrow, and, so, and, it's, and it's hard for people to find it, but it is a way of life. And Jesus is calling us to walk in this. So I want to leave you with two questions. two questions. Question one, do you want to walk the narrow way? Now, I'll speak for myself. I I do. Actually, I really do. And and part of it is is I know what happens when I do not walk the narrow way. (laughs) I know what happens to my life when I live my own way, and, and it's not good. When I'm on Broadway, I hurt a lot of people. When I do things my own way, I I say things that are cutting, that hurt people. Um, When I, 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 I waste a lot of time, I do a lot of things that just are killing me. And so my desire is to walk the narrow way. And I know it's not gonna be easy. But here's the thing, it's possible. Jesus wouldn't invite us into this if it were not possible. It is possible. Now, this morning, I don't want you to walk away and think, okay, all right, David says I need to walk the narrow way, the narrow gate, the narrow gate, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to walk the narrow gate, I'm going to get off the Broadway, I'm going to walk the narrow gate, and, and I'll, I'll try, try my best, and if you try your best, you know what will happen, you will be toast, you will not succeed, <laughs> because you cannot do this on your own. And, and, and we should know that because the running theme of the Sermon on the Mount is this, is that life happens when we're connected to Jesus. Jesus tells us, you know that narrow gate? He goes, I am the gate. I am the gate. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. To walk the narrow way is what? To stick close to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. It means trusting him. But it also means doing what he says. We see that. Look in, 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 in verse, verse 21 where he says, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I have a lot of people who say to me, oh, but David, you need to know I really love Jesus. I, I, I love Jesus. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but look how you're living. Yeah, but I, I really love Jesus. I'm saying, yeah, okay, but look at the fruit or the lack thereof. I said, yeah, you can love Jesus. But to love Jesus, what does that mean? You follow him. You obey him. You listen to him. Now it's not an imposition. It's not he's not hammering us. He gives us a choice. But the thing is, Jesus says, look, I'm life. Why would you go in a direction that is not life? You you want your life to flourish? Come to me. You're wondering why you're always hitting the ditch? Because you're not coming to me and walking with me. So let me ask you, do you want to walk the narrow way? Now, if you're honest, somebody says, I'm not sure. Well, just pray. Pray. God, I pray for the desire to desire to walk the, the narrow way. Second question, what will happen if we decide to take Jesus at his word and walk the narrow way? Well, one, our lives will be transformed for the good. And you know what's going to happen. If you decide to follow Jesus and to walk in his ways, you know what's going to happen is people are going to notice. And people are going to be confused. And people are going to scratch their heads when they look at you. When I became a Christian, I was, I was, my background, I was an atheist, I was living overseas, I was up to no good, um, I became a Christian, and when I became a Christian, I, I started reading the Bible. i never read the Bible before. I knew one book in the Bible, I knew the book of Genesis, because uh, there's a rock group named Genesis, um, but I, I hadn't read it, so I just started reading the Bible, and one of the first things I read in the Bible is Jesus saying, love your enemies. I'm like, dude, I have a lot of enemies at work. Um <laughs> I had a lot of people who hated me. Probably because I really hated them, too. Um, and we just hated each other. But then I read, love your enemies. I'm like, well, hating them hasn't got me very far. All right, I'll trust you. I will do what you say, Jesus. So I went to work, and I, and I started loving my colleagues. And they're like, Why are you offering me that coffee? I'm like, hey, I'm just give me a coffee. What's in it? <laughs> it's, just, it's just coffee. All right. And people are like, what's 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 with David? <laughs> and and for right, because I was really mean to them beforehand, but but that's what will happen. People look at you and it's like, Clayton, what, Clayton? What, what happened to this guy? Right. Now, on a larger scale, not only are on our, will our lives be transformed, but our world will be transformed. Coquitlam, the Tri-Cities, will be transformed. And I know this because it's happened before. I've, 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 my background is, is studying revivals in church history. And uh, when people get hold of Jesus, not only do our lives change, our, our our whole community will start to change. And I, there's lots of stuff in the news today. Oh, you know, Canada's turning away from the church and post-Christian Canada. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think something's happening in the churches in Canada. I've talked to other pastors around or across the nation, and they're like, yeah, something is happening. And I think there's a movement of the Spirit right now and I'm quite, I'm quite encouraged with what's happening, and so I'm looking forward to this fall. I think, who knows what could happen. Now, if you know me, you know I, I'm just a shameless promoter of the, my classes. So I'm gonna <laughs> just give you a little highlight into, uh, and this is gonna help you. Uh, this fall, we're, we're actually going to be. I have uh, one of the world's top biblical scholars coming um, to. to Speak to us about this new book that he wrote. And if you can put that up on the screen, it's uh, Dr. Ian Proven. And he wrote, it's quite a provocative title, Cuckoo's in Our Nest. But the book is Truth and Lies about Being Human. What does it mean to be a human being? Every generation has a question that's trying to answer. The question that that our world's trying to answer today is what does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? What does it mean to be human? And so I've invited Ian to come, and he's going to speak on um, September 19th. That weekend, we have a men's breakfast. We're going to be talking about work. This fall, we're going to do a conference on does my work matter to God, which I think is a big question. And then on my Tuesday night class, I'm going to be teaching a class called, (laughs) I kind of like the title. I stole the title, but it's a great title. Um, How Christianity, because titles are not copyrightable, just so you know. Uh, uh, How Christianity (laughs) Saves Civilization and Can Do So Again. And we're going to be looking at just how so many ideas that we value in our culture are actually rooted in a Christian worldview. And we're going to look at seven revolutions that Christianity brought about and can bring about again today. Also say, I'm hopeful about the fall. I'm hopeful about what's happening with the church these days. But Billy Graham once said, he says, if you're going to talk about revival, though, he goes, you got to draw a circle around yourself and say, Lord, may revival begin with me. And you and I are faced with a choice. There's a broad way or there's a narrow gate. And so you have to choose. And so one of the ways you can do this is uh, by doing what we're going to do right now is take communion. So I'm going to invite our communion servers to come forward at this point. And uh, I'm going to explain what we're going to do. In uh, in these trays, we have ordinary bread, and we have ordinary juice, but with extraordinary meaning. The bread represents the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. It represents us as a church. And so when you take the bread, you're saying to the seen and the unseen world that you belong to Jesus. You're aligning your life to him, and you will walk the the narrow path. That's what you're saying. You're saying, Jesus, you are my leader, and I want to follow you all the days of my life. Now, when you take the juice, you're saying, I I can only do this by your strength. I can only do this because of what you've done for me. And the juice represents the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And so the juice represents grace. We enter into this by grace. We sustain ourselves by grace, God's grace. And so you take the bread, you say, I'm in. You Take the juice saying, thank you for your grace that empowers me and enables me to enter into this life. So, this morning, when you come up and you take the bread and you take the juice, know that you're making this declaration, Jesus, amen. Now, it doesn't matter if this is your church or not. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, come and take communion. If you're deciding today, saying, you know what? I think I would like to be in on this. Hey, come and take the bread, take the juice as an act of faith, saying, I'm in. Now, some of you are here like, I'm still not sure about this. who this Jesus is. Well, go to Alpha. <laughs> but maybe let the bread and the juice go by because it won't mean a whole lot to you. We'll take the bread and we'll take the juice um, together. Um, actually, as you come up as uh, and you take the bread and the juice, you can just take it when you uh, go back to your you, but let me pray as we get started. Jesus, we thank you for your grace, for your amazing grace. You are the truth, the life, and the way, and our lives will only work the way they're designed to work when we are in allegiance to you. Your desire is for us to live and to flourish and to experience true freedom. And Lord, we confess that we've been looking for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) We've been traveling along paths that lead to destruction, and deep down, we know it. We know it. And so in, in, in our mind's eye, in our hearts, we turn. We turn from the broad way, and we turn towards you, the gate, the life, the truth, the way. And we desire to live in you. We thank you as we take this bread that we are declaring that we belong to you. And we're very thankful for your shed blood on the cross. that's symbolized in the juice that tells us that it is by grace that we are saved. This is not something we can make up on our own. But it's your work in us from beginning to end. And so let us celebrate this together, Lord. In Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.